When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. To our Purple Q&A, Matthew Collar here, Minnesota Vikings beat reporter and host of Purple Daily every day from 2 to 4 Central Time on AM1500 and scorenorth.com and wherever the heck else you want to stream our radio station or download the podcast versions. That is Declan Goff. I don't know how he looks to you, but he's to my right. Uh, And so Declan has gathered your questions. I put it out there on Twitter, as did he, for people to send in their NFL draft and Vikings questions. He has gathered them and is going to ask them. He'll pretend to be you, essentially. Yes. And ask me these questions, and I will give you the answers. So if you have more, continue to send them in, and Declan will read them. And we can have a little fun here tonight um, as we approach the NFL draft. We're only a couple days away. And quick reminder before we get into the questions to check out our Draft Day 1K. We're going to give away $1,000 to whoever gets the draft pick right for the Vikings All you have to do is download our app, sign up. It's very easy. It is very free. And go to where it says draft day, and boom, you are there, and you could win $1,000. Hey, oh. Pretty good idea to me. So draft day 1K, download the app, get it. It'll be great. Okay, Declan, what do we got for purple questions? First question comes from Beto Batista, which is just a great name, by the way. It rolls off the tongue very well. Uh, Beto wants to know, what's the best haul Minnesota could get by trading both picks out of the first Mm. round? Hmm. That is a good question. Now, I can only judge by the goofball system that the NFL came up with years and years ago that has uh, points assigned to each pick. And Jimmy Johnson is credited with this system. And I don't know if NFL teams actually use it, but it gives you, or at least any more. I mean, I think that they did once upon a time, and maybe they still do in terms of the trade down value. Um, But if you were trading down from 22 and 25, my expectation would be that at very least you could pick up a third round pick for each or an extra third round pick for each. And that's at very least, and it depends on how far you're trading down. So if you're trading from 25 to say, I don't know, 31 or something like that, um, you know, I wouldn't expect that you would be, although San Francisco can't give you a third round pick. So let's say like um, from 22 to 34, I don't know who picks 34, um, but you wouldn't expect that you were going to get like a second round pick back in addition, but you might expect to pick up another third or maybe picks from next year, which you don't really care about if you're Vikings fans. Uh, The idea of trading down and picking up guys that potentially if it's a late second round pick, you'd be really thrilled with or an early third is not a bad idea in a draft that is really deep between the 20th picks and the 50th pick. If you look at anybody's top 50 in this draft, whether it's Daniel Jeremiah or whatever website you like, ESPN, Mel Kiper, Todd McShay, 
there is a lot of disagreement for where these players rank from 20 to 50. There are players that I've seen that are in the top 20 from some top 50 rankers, and then those same players are in the 30s or 40s. I'll give you an example. Christian Fulton, the LSU cornerback. Some people have him as a top 25 prospect. Other people think he's more of a second-round draft pick. So if you are going to trade back and pick up extra selections there, the third round has been pretty lucrative for the Vikings in the past. I mean, coming right to mind, obviously, is Daniel Hunter. But even last year, they got Alexander Madison, and they traded down a bunch of times in that scenario, too. So I've always liked all the draft simulations that I get sent from people who have traded down and picked up extra selections because if you look uh, at their current roster, they have needs all over the board, and it's sort of the right draft to do it. So I wouldn't suggest trading way the heck out of 22 and 25, but if you can move back a little, pick up a fourth, pick up a third potentially, if someone gets desperate and they want someone there at 22, then go for it because I think that you can get the same quality of player in the early 30s as you can in the early 20s and then still potentially get someone that can make an impact when you're talking about the third round or maybe even early fourth round in this draft. Matthew, if you were running the Vikings, it's Freaky Friday and you were switch or Freaky Thursday, I should say, if you switched bodies with Rick Spielman. What would you be doing? I think, at- I'll, take, I think I'll take my body. His is much older. Yeah, but you know what? He's, he's pretty ripped. He's freakishly jacked is, for his size. He also played football, though, so yeah. I don't think those knees are in very good shape, and my non-football playing <laughs> knees are fine. Uh, let's say you were running the Vikings and it's pick 22. What would Matthew Collar do if he was running the Vikings? Well, that's a good question, and there are many, many different answers <laughs> that I could give you. And, of course, it starts with how the board plays out with 22 because, you know, someone drops who's a very good prospect. And, and we don't oftentimes never expect who's going to drop. So last year, I thought – I'll give you an example. Marquise Brown um, for the Ravens, I thought he was going to be a top 15 pick. He was blazing fast, huge production at Oklahoma – and receivers are very, very valuable in the NFL, as you all know. So I thought, oh, this guy's going to go really high. And he ends up being, I believe, the only receiver that went in the first round. A.J. Brown, who had a lot of first-round grades by people, um, he ends up turning out to be a great receiver in his first year, and he went in the second round. So, you know, it happens all the time that someone drops. If, if you're the Vikings and, let's say, you know, a really good wide receiver, Henry Ruggs, it'd be a big surprise, but let's just say Henry Ruggs or Jerry Judy, one of those guys drops into your lap, then you're taking them. And the same thing goes for any of the tackle prospects. We have been surprised before. So Tristan Wirfs, maybe people don't believe in him as much as his combine would suggest. Or Andrew Thomas, if he gets overlooked by the bigger athletic freaks, none of this sounds super plausible, but it happens every year where a top 10 or top 15 prospect drops into that middle range of you know, somewhere from 15 to 25, and that is your opportunity for the Vikings. If it's the tackle and the wide receiver at the same time, I'm going with the tackle. I mean, at some point you have to get a good offensive line to give your quarterback a chance, whether it's Kirk Cousins or they trade him in the future for somebody else. Whoever you have playing quarterback will need a good offensive line. And at this moment, you only have one good offensive lineman, and that's Brian O'Neill. So I would be looking in a draft that has a lot of good tackles in the first round to be going that direction. But again, you know, if C.J. Henderson, the top cornerback or second best corner in the draft from Florida, if he drops out of uh, the very highest part of the draft. And, and I've liked A.J. Terrell, who is a lanky corner who's very smooth and has a lot of experience playing against great talent. 
Uh, he's a very much a Zimmer corner. If he drops and he's there at 25, say, you know, you would want him too. So it's a, it, it's a, a tough balance to just say, oh, my dream guy is this guy because you don't know how it's going to play out. If you were talking about what the absolute best case scenario for me is, it's probably Andrew Thomas from Georgia. I know that the chances are maybe 5% that he gets there um, because he is the highest ranked by some people tackle. But if you were going, what is the absolute best case scenario? You come away with someone that you can plug into left tackle and have both of your tackle positions all set for a very long time. Chad wants to know, does it make sense to trade up for Tua because of the way the Vikings offensive line is built? You know, uh, I, I mean, I think it always makes sense to try and get Tua if you can, um, because if you get that great quarterback on the rookie contract, it opens the door to you going and winning a Super Bowl. If that quarterback ends up working out, um, then you've got a chance to stack up your roster with free agents and things like that. It's the best possible scenario you can be in. But the odds of them being able to get Tua, I think, are very, very low. And all these things coming out about all these teams, oh, we're very afraid of his injuries, we're very concerned. I mean, it all sounds like smokescreen to me. Now, I've been surprised before. I did not expect Teddy Bridgewater to be drafted where he was. And there have been other quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson's a great example. I thought Lamar Jackson would go in the top five, and he ends up going 32nd. It does happen. So if you know Tua did drop into, say, the 15 or 17 area, Maybe you could justify it. It's just that I don't see it happening. It's hard to talk about when I don't even think the Vikings would do it. I mean, think about they have more justification for drafting Lamar Jackson than they did Tua this year, if you think about the circumstance, because you signed Cousins to a short-term deal, and you could have drafted a very high-ceiling developmental quarterback, and they decided not to do it with Lamar Jackson. I have a tough time seeing them do it here. Second round, if Jalen Hurts is there or there's somebody else that they like, maybe Jake Fromm or someone like that, then you could possibly see with the quarterback. But I just I can't see it happening with the Vikings, who do have a tendency to surprise us historically. So I won't ever count anything out. Is it the right move to do? Probably, considering the position, positional value. If you get the right guy, he could be there for a decade plus. Um, I don't think that the offensive line is a factor – for that. I mean, Tua is not really a running quarterback. He does have good pocket presence that you see with his footwork, um, but it's not like he's going to run for 600 yards a year and make your offensive line way better. You want to have a very good offensive line, whether it's Kirk Cousins or Tua. If Tua didn't get hurt, would he be the consensus number one overall pick over Joe Burrow? Mm, Joe Burrow had one of the great seasons in college football history. Uh, His lack of playing time overall with pretty much being a one-year wonder uh, and lack of uh, performance at this type of level would make you wonder, all right, is is he going to get the nod over Tua? I think it makes it decidedly clear. Maybe the debates would be more raging. And Burrow is a hard one to, to put a finger on because it is only one year of success. And the team that he played for is so preposterously good. I mean, everybody he was throwing the ball up to is making plays. Justin Jefferson is very likely a first-round draft pick. And so when you play for a team that's that talented with a great offensive design, then it's going to help boost your numbers. But at the same time, Burrow was extremely accurate. He made plays under pressure. He made plays off schedule. He really did everything you would ask for. So I I think that Burrow still would have emerged as the number one guy eventually. Um, But it would be much more of a debate. 
Uh, we'll see about how real people think the issues with Tua are. I mean, he has been injured. There's no doubt about that. That happens when you play and when you play against really good competition. But there are other times where he doesn't protect himself well enough for sure, and he should just get rid of the ball, should just throw it away, and instead he tries to make something happen and take a hit. And that is a concern at the NFL level if you've had this many injuries. So that probably does drop him. But I think that in terms of actual just play-for-play quarterback prospects, they are very close. Jason wants to know any chance we trade for Trent Williams or OBJ on draft day. OBJ, I would say that the chances are low, um, though I don't necessarily buy into the idea that it's 0% uh, or that all the conversations about the Vikings reaching out or at least OBJ potentially being on the block. I, I don't believe that those are all completely false, that that came from somewhere and from someone that is fairly credible and has been around for a long time. So I think that there was a reason to report that OBJ uh, was on the trade block, at least to some extent, but I don't see that happening on draft night. If it does, you know, it's Vi- again, Vikings. Brett Favre <laughs> came here, Randy Moss came back, anything can happen with the Vikings. Uh, but I would be very, very surprised by that. I would not be surprised by Trent Williams, but I don't think it's happening on Thursday because I don't think that Trent Williams is worth giving away a first round pick. Uh, in fact, I probably wouldn't say even day two. I think it's a day three type of move where you trade a fourth round pick for Trent Williams. You think about it, everyone in the NFL knows that you have to trade Trent Williams because he'll either play for someone else or play for no one. He is not playing again for the Washington organization. So how are you spending a second or third even round pick on someone that you know wants to leave and is going to go? The only way excuse me, is if there was some sort of um, bidding war that happened to two teams who are really pushing for Trent Williams. But it doesn't even sound like there are a bunch of teams that are trying to trade for a 33-year-old tackle. So if the Vikings trade a fourth-round pick on day three and get Trent Williams and then sign him to a contract extension, I think you're in really great shape if you're the Vikings there because then you can still draft a tackle and develop him behind Trent Williams while having Trent Williams in place for a couple of years. Uh, Or maybe you don't feel like you have to draft a tackle and you can take the best guard you can get in the second round or something like that. It really opens up your options, and it finally gives you Kirk Cousins some good pass protection for the first time since he's been with the Vikings. And now there are no real excuses for the shortcomings of Cousins since he's been here. I mean, he's been handed two elite receivers, a great running game, and so forth. So, you know, nine wins per season is probably not what they expected, maybe a little bit more than that. But uh, the one area I would say he has not been given a fair shake is overall in pass protection. He does create some of the pressure himself by holding on to the ball for too long. But that's even more reason to want Trent Williams to be here because when he's at his best and he's healthy, he is one of the best players in the NFL. John wants to know, if Den- is Denzel Mims the best fit alongside mm. Adam Thielen? That's a good question. I have uh, some concerns about Denzel Mims because he goes to the combine and just destroys everyone. He's got some really exciting numbers at Baylor. His contested catches, his deep production was pretty good um, in terms of his route running deep and how he was graded by pro football focus. But he only played one position on the outside. He was not like a multi-position receiver, which makes you wonder, will he be able to move all over the field. And my understanding is that he's not a fully developed route runner. 
that gives you a little bit of pause because I'm not saying he's Laquan Treadwell. He's way faster and more explosive than Laquan Treadwell. But when you hear he had to make a lot of contested catches, when you hear that you know, he, his route running isn't necessarily solidified yet, that's when you wonder, okay, is he going to be someone like Corey Coleman, for example, who is a freak athlete, totally exploded on the scene, and then really never became anything because he couldn't solidify the route running. Same with someone like Philip Dorsett who uh, played for the Patriots and, you know, they got something out of him, but still he was not, a, that wasn't his strength. It was the athleticism. And so I tend to look at guys who have more on lockdown, the route running, the intelligence part of the game. And I, I don't know that about Denzel Mims. They don't uh, leak wonder licks for wide receivers, but that was a thing with Diggs and Thielen. You had two guys who could play any position who are highly intelligent or route running technicians. That is not easy to copy. So I don't know that Denzel Mims is the exact best fit. He might be so good of a prospect that you just have to take him if he is there. But I tend to like Justin Jefferson a little bit more. And look, anybody can be wrong about anything, but Jefferson played more inside. And he looks to me like a guy that might not have the unbelievable ceiling of someone like Denzel Mims because his athletic profile isn't as good, but be more of a fine-tuned route runner so he can step in right away. So I kind of like Jefferson's fit a little bit better. Um, but, you know, I mean, if, if someone is that good of a prospect and an athlete, maybe they can impact you even if they they don't turn out to be a great route runner. So you can use them on reverses. You can use them on short passes and screens and things like that. Uh, there are definitely ways to use somebody who's not a perfect route runner if they have freak athleticism. In a draft sim, Nick had the Vikings getting Tua at 22. Tackle Josh Jones at 25. Bear with me here. Wide receiver Trey Higgins at 58. Tight end Thaddeus Moss, Randy Moss's son, at 89. Wide receiver KJ Hill at 105. And he wants to know would this make Zim's head explode? But I think the better question is I would think it makes everyone's head explode if they got all five of those guys in their first three or first four or five picks. Okay, the 201 we kind of almost have to throw out because I just am yeah. having a really tough time seeing a realistic. Give me the other picks again past two. Sure. Josh Jones at 25. Okay. Trey Higgins at 58. T. Thad Higgins, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, T. Higgins at, at 58. Higgins, yeah. Thaddeus Moss at 89. K.J. Hill at 105. So three. Okay. Uh, yeah, two wide Thaddeus, receivers. And a Thaddeus Moss is probably overdrafted there, and you're probably drafting him because his name is Moss. Not that I don't think he can be a good NFL player, but at 89 it's probably reaching. K.J. Hill I really like. Shorter guy, but explosive off the line of scrimmage and good route runner and things like that uh, that you really like to see. Josh Jones would be a great pick for the Vikings, an offensive tackle from Houston who is enough of an athlete to fit right into the system. And I have liked T. Higgins. There are some people that will tell me that T. Higgins, you know, he's only an outside receiver. He doesn't have the best athleticism, but he's a guy that has a, a pretty – rough background and overcame a lot to be a great player at Clemson. And I like that about him. And, and maybe that's not everything, but, you know, having covered enough players, um, you know, who come out of the draft and succeed or fail, sometimes it's not always like tough circumstance equals great player. That's not how it works. There's plenty of tough circumstance players who just fail flat on their face. But, you know, somebody who produced at that high of a level with Clemson, I, I like to see that, and he is somebody that has some more route running skill and detail and does make contested catches. He's also only an outside wide receiver, which is a bit of a concern, but um, might be somebody who could who could fill in there. 
so if you're if your thing is that you're just going all offense, then yeah, Mike Zimmer is going to go. Wait, what? Uh, and and this will be something that I'm really interested to find out about in this draft is. Do they continue to stack weapons? Because last year they drafted first four players around the offensive side. They get Garrett Bradbury, Irv Smith, Alexander Madison, and Drew Samia, who is probably going to be competing for a guard position here. And so would you do that again? And and I think it's a good idea if you do it again. And, and just ask Mike Zimmer to scheme his way to an average or above average defense. And, hey, you've been drafting all these players in the fifth, sixth, seventh round on defense. Well, it's about time some of them were able to step into some key positions. For example, like a Fadia Denebo at defensive tackle or Jaleel Johnson or Armin Watts uh, at uh, defensive tackle. I, I meant to say defensive end for Fadia Denebo. So, you know, you've been developing these players. Some of them should be able to step in. And then there are enough free agents that you could add a couple of veteran players still who are out there that are just sitting and waiting for the draft to happen uh, that you could fill some of those spots and still hope for something like a top 10 defense and draft all offense. Now this isn't going to happen. <laughs> There's almost no chance that this is going to happen, that they're going to go with all offense, but if they did, it would be a pretty clear shift in philosophy from how they built the first team with Mike Zimmer. That was very much invest heavy, heavy, heavy on the defensive side. So obviously Zimmer's a defensive first guys, Matthew, but with, all of the pieces they lost on defense and Gary transitioning into the OC role full time. I mean, is it time for this team to be an offensive first team? I know it's hard to say under a tutelage like Mike mm-hmm. Zimmer, but it just seems to me that the days of this defense being elite and let alone top 10 in 2020 are probably behind them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I think that if you look at recent history, very recent history, but you know, the, the, best sample that we can draw from is what's just happened. You go back to 2015, the Denver Broncos win with defense. And that was crazy that it happened, that they had this historically great defense and Peyton Manning was sort of grinding his way to wins and everything falls into place for them in the playoffs where Tom Brady's offensive line was completely shot. Steven Guskowski misses an extra point when he hadn't missed one all year. Antonio Brown was hurt in the previous game. Remember, Vontez Perfect took his head right. off, and then he didn't play. And when you know you don't have him against the best defense in the league, that you know you end up with Denver winning. So everything sort of fell into place there. Every other team to reach the Super Bowl has been a top five def- or a top five offense, and defenses have varied quite a bit for teams that went to the Super Bowl. So Carolina, for example, that lost to Denver, their offense was way up at the top of the league, and then so was their defense. Same with Philadelphia when they won with Nick Foles. For that season, they were great offensively and defensively. But there have also been teams like Atlanta 2016, who was incredible on offense and really not that great on defense. And even you know Kansas City, no, you don't have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Their defense, good, very good. Uh, and they got better as the season went along and got hot at the right time. But, you know, that's a team that got way down in a playoff game and came back because of their explosive offense. And that's, I think, how you win and how uh, how you give yourself a better chance to reach the Super Bowl is if you have a top five offense. You have a top five defense, it might or might not happen. You might or might not get deep in the postseason if you're relying on that. Probably not because somebody's offense is likely going to outdo you. But if you have a great offense, that's usually pretty sustainable. So you sign Kirk Cousins to a contract extension. You're basically saying, you're our guy. Why wouldn't you try to give him everything you possibly could? Now, you take away Stephon Diggs from him. That certainly doesn't make him better. 
how are you going to make up for the value lost with Stefan Diggs? And then what else can you add? How can you protect him better? If you look at his stats last year, when he had a clean pocket, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL when he had a clean pocket. So, So give him more of a clean pocket and aim for being that top five offense. That would be my philosophy, but you didn't hire Mike Zimmer necessarily to invest everything on the offensive side of the ball. What you were trying to do when you hired Zimmer was create a great defense and win with that, trying to turn the ball over, run it well, and then when your passing game is called upon, then hit big plays. And they did that for last season, but eventually what happened? They ran up against a great defense with a mediocre offense and kaput. So you know, I, I think that the better model, it gives you a better chance to win is to try and aim for a top five defense. I, I'm sorry, top five offense. But I don't know if they've changed philosophies to think that themselves. What would you prioritize day two of the NFL draft? Hmm. Whatever we didn't get in day one <laughs> would be the answer to that. I mean, I, I think there's a, a good shot that on day one they're trading back. And so they're looking for as many day two picks as they can possibly get. And these have been great picks for the Vikings in recent history. Irv Smith is a very good pick. Eric Kendricks is an A+. Daniil Hunter is an A+. You go back a little bit, you get Kyle Rudolph in the second round. The kid is usually flush with talent in the second and third rounds, but especially the second usually has a lot of those players that maybe didn't have the unbelievable athleticism, but still had great reason to to, to want to invest the draft pick in them, or one of the higher draft picks out there. So I think that that is a very likely scenario that they move back to day two. But let's just say the most likely positions that they select is offensive tackle and corner at 22 and 25. So let's say that those are taken care of. After that, you're still looking for a wide receiver. You're still looking for potentially a safety. If you don't get a deal done with Anthony Harris, you might be looking to trade Anthony Harris for an extra third round pick on day two. And then when you get to the third round, just take whoever the best player is. I mean, at at that point, I mean, this is a weird draft for the Vikings because best player available is actually a real thing that you can do best player available. And as long as you don't take a linebacker or a running back, you've probably nailed a need for the Vikings. That's pretty rare that you could be in that position, but it all depends on how the dominoes fall in the first round for what you're looking for in terms of day two. I saw your article about late round quarterbacks. You had a few on there, Jake Fromm and also Cole McDonald. Which one of those though intrigues you the most if if you were the Vikings? Well, you know, I think if you're drafting someone like Jake Fromm, you're getting a limited ceiling, but someone who could become a Kirk Cousins level NFL starter. Uh, Sage Rosenfels, our journeyman correspondent, he was doing a film session on him showing some of the NFL caliber things that Jake Fromm has done. But, you know, I kind of compared him to someone like Chad Henney, where, like, yeah, he's got a lot of NFL elements to him, but I mean, the ceiling is limited because he doesn't have a monster arm. He doesn't have great athleticism. There's nothing that screams, oh, yeah, this guy is going to take you to that next level, to that Mahomes, Watson, Lamar Jackson type of level. And unless you are Tom Brady level, smart, quick minded and competitive, you know, it's pretty hard to do as a statue quarterback, unless you are really, really good at it. And Kirk Cousins even shows that Kirk Cousins is really, really good at it. And still he has some limitations. So Fromm is intriguing to me as maybe a late third round draft pick. He might go before that, but if he's a late third, you'd say, okay, well that actually makes sense because worst case scenario you have a quality young backup on a rookie contract. Best case scenario, he proves you kind of wrong, and he becomes someone like Kirk Cousins, where he's a franchise-type quarterback. 
and you know the odds of that are not super high, but in the second, third, and sometimes fourth rounds, you get guys like that. Tyler Huntley is an intriguing guy to me for a sixth or seventh round draft pick. Really accurate, really good athlete, uh, but you know didn't throw tons and tons of passes at Utah. Didn't put up huge, huge numbers or anything like that. Even though his production is decent, but accurate, gets rid of the ball really quick. Yeah, you take a shot on somebody like him, even though he's undersized. Undersized has proven to be okay in the NFL recently. Anthony Gordon is another guy who threw a ton of passes at Washington State. He's also been compared to a Kirk Cousins. So, you know, I think it is worth a shot. Fourth round, somebody drops out of the third that you really like. Everyone in their draft sims has sent Jalen Hurts. I know I like that idea myself, but it just doesn't look like Jalen Hurts is going to drop. That Peter King wrote, he thinks he's a second-round pick. Daniel Jeremiah moved him up into his top 50. I'm having a tough time thinking he even gets out of the second round at this point, and that would be pretty hard for the Vikings to invest a second-round pick in somebody when they have so many other needs. But a later-round quarterback, yeah, I think that there's some potential for that. A couple more as we wrap up here. Uh, I saw the Jaguars released Marquise Lee. Uh, He actually had a pretty decent year on on a pretty dreadful Jaguars team. Is that a guy that the Vikings would consider bringing in if they didn't maybe get the guy they wanted in the draft for receivers? Yeah, that's something that you want to look at after the draft, that you don't want to sign him before the draft, and then Denzel Mims is there, Justin Jefferson or somebody you really love, and you're like, oh, I guess we really didn't need him. (laughs) Um, But at this moment, you're talking about having – Adam Thielen, B.C. Johnson, Taze Sharp, and Chad Beebe, or Alexander Hollins, or maybe Dylan Mitchell improves. I mean, you know, that's not that's not much of a group that really scares you for wide receivers. So if you've got an opportunity to take kind of a long shot on somebody like Marquise Lee uh, and see sort of how it works out, they've done this before. It didn't work out with Kendall Wright, but it, you lost basically nothing for doing it. And even Taze Sharp, he hasn't had a real great career. And if he steps in and is more than you expect, then great. If he is less than you expect, then it didn't really cost you anything. And so a low-risk type of cheap moves like that, I think you're always willing to take. Non-football-related question here as we wrap up for you, Matthew. Give me your Mount Rushmore of N64 games Mm. as you teased in the Twitter, and I'm putting you a bit on the spot here. I feel like Ken Griffey Jr. is probably one of them, but what would be the other three? Yeah, so uh, now I will preface this by saying that in terms of adventure games, I'm not really your guy. So if, if you are out there and you're saying, well, what about this game or that game or whatever, you know, I Final Fantasies and things like that, right. I, I don't know as much about them. But I will say the GOAT game is Zelda. Uh, Ocarina oh, yeah. of Time is the number one game I have ever played in my life. And in terms of adventure games, maybe other people would come in and say, well, actually, this one or that one is better. But, man, if you could top that one, then I will play that game all day long because Zelda is number one. Number two is GoldenEye. And in terms of playing video games with friends, getting together, you could spend all day long (laughs) playing GoldenEye. And I should, in quarantine, teach my wife how to play GoldenEye so we can spend entire weekends just killing each other. And someone asked on Twitter – uh, about odd job yeah it is cheating to use odd job it is no totally. question about it do yep. not use odd job that is unfair because you can't punch him and he's very hard to shoot um number three yeah i think that in, because i gotta mix sports games in here right those are the ones i play the most definitely it would be uh, ken griffey jr slugfest i have been playing this and the best part of it is a you hit dingers all the time so that's right. super fun 
But B, games only take, take like 15 minutes. And it's the 98 season. The 98 season is so great. You have, you know, Fire and Sosa and going at it with the home runs and Griffey. It's a really, really fun game. Another one where you can play with other people. That's great. Um, this is where the Maddens took a step forward. Because the, the Maddens for uh, Super Nintendo are like, yeah, they're bad. Guys are like this bad, this this tiny, and they're sort of running around. You can't really figure out what's going on. But when they started to look like real humans, Madden 99, Madden 2000, Randy Moss wears number 18 in Madden 99, and that's also when they put in the NFL draft. So when they took that extra step into Madden 99, Madden 2000, I'll say 2000 is really a game-changing Madden. So I'll put that on my list. Uh, let's see, we've got... Hmm, one of the racing games probably belongs there. Yeah. Uh, Mario Kart. Mario Kart, right. Is, if we're being objective about it. Now, yeah. I like Diddy Kong Racing. I love Diddy fun. Kong Racing. Diddy Kong Racing is super yeah. fun. Uh, you get the hovercraft. You get oh, the yeah. airplanes. Or there are a little more elements to it than Mario Kart. But if we're being objective, the better game is Mario Kart. Uh, and so I'll, I'll make that to round out my top all right, well, that'll uh, wrap up most of our Q&As here, but we're looking forward to draft season, and we obviously uh, announced our 36 hours of coverage. We'll be, uh, I think we'll be sleeping at Score North, social distancing sleeping, but yeah. there might be yeah. some sleeping beds and some, and some cots laying around because we will be pretty much up all night covering the draft and the day leading in and even the day after. We will. It's going to be very fun. So if you do not have our Score North app, make sure you download it, and uh, the 1K draft day contest where if you pick the right guy who gets drafted by the vikings then you can win a thousand dollars make sure you do that because it's free and you don't need to do anything and you could potentially win a thousand bucks so download the app get that and uh and and go make sure you're taking your shot at a thousand bucks and uh listen to all of our draft coverage read it at scorenorth.com it is going to be a very very fun week in a time that is rather depressing in this world so let's have as much fun as we This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.